Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. We just pray your uh, Holy Spirit would help us to see you more clearly, Lord Jesus. Uh, help us to worship you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And stop giving to you less than you deserve. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <coughs> there we go. That was really good. That was, um, take notes, take notes on the way she did that. Because if a lost person here doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, they'd have a pretty good idea of what direction to head in. Um, pulled in her favorite scriptures, you know, it's not like I feel and I think it was like rooted and grounded on the word. So we want all you guys who are born again to get up here probably at least, you know, maybe once a year, maybe at least once every two years, because uh, people need to know that. Jesus can really change lives. And um, whether you come from a nice home or whether we scraped you off the road with a spatula, which is some of you guys in here, we literally scraped you off the road with a spatula. Not literally. It wasn't literally a spatula, but it's pretty close. Pretty close to the truth. Um, but Jesus still has all the power he ever had to change lives. So that was, that was wonderful. Um, yeah, today's Palm Sunday. I want to encourage you guys as a church. Don't make little kids think worship is boring. When little kids come down waving palm branches, we should be screaming and shouting and making them smile and laugh and get more into it. Um, this is Palm Sunday. This is, uh, John says, six days before uh, Passover. A uh, series of events we're going to talk about here in a minute, but one of them is, is that he got on a donkey and rode through town and people waved palm branches and said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were, we're going to talk about this. I guess you would say they were worshiping him. As I study those passages, I'm not exactly sure what was going through their minds. Some were worshiping, some were there out of curiosity. Some people thought he was going to be a political leader. Um, I keep getting in front of that. Oh, okay. So, uh, but um, anyway, that's, that's why the little kids are, are, you know, waving the palm branches. But uh, I told you this story before. I was in a church one time, uh, the, the last church we were at, which really loved the pastor. And some of you guys know who I'm talking about. We're great friends. But uh, not the most expressive worshiping church. And there was this beautiful little girl, and she must have been five and they're playing worship and she's dancing and she's just spinning around in the aisle and, and she doesn't give a rip who's watching her. All the adults are like, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get crazy. <laughs> right? But this little girl's just like, you know, she's... and I nudged one of my sons and I said, we'll make sure to beat that out of her before she gets too old. Just very sarcastically because... We should have the freedom of a little child. I know everybody does at the Kansas City Chiefs games, right? But why when, when it's talking about Jesus, who, the God who became creator God, you know, we, we talked a little about astronomy, who created everything. He reduces himself down. The God who created quantum physics, which you can't even begin to understand. The God who created our DNA, which we can't even count the strands on in our lifetime. We need computers to help us do that because we can't even with our own brains. I mean, the God who created all that, who, who just speaks whole 
universes into being. He reduced himself down to become a person. He created us just to love us. And then he became a man so he could die for our sins. And he died for our sins. And he rose again on the third day and gave us new life and all these beautiful relationships in the room and all the answers to prayer and the transformation of life that we're seeing. And then we're worried about what the new people in the church are going to think about us if we raise our hands or I don't want to shout to get the little kids excited because what I'm too dignified. It's like, let's get, let's get crazy. Let's get raucous. So the Bible says shout, clap, sing. So uh, anyway, let's not beat it out of the kids. Let's become more like the kids when it comes time to worship. And that's exactly what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about worship. And uh, we're going to look at one of the passages of the triumphal entry. Um, might as well jump right in. I'm going to look at the one in John. On the next day, a large crowd who had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, they took branches of the palm trees and went out to meet him and began to shout, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Jesus, finding a young donkey, sat on it, as it is written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, seated on a donkey's colt. So this is a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy, saying this is how Jesus is going to manifest himself on a donkey's colt, of all things. And a lot of interpreters think that's because he's trying to demonstrate he's here for peace. He's not here for war. He's here to bring peace. And so you ride a donkey when you're here for peace. You ride a a raging war horse when you're here for war. So we have a God that's trying to establish peace with us. These things his disciples did not understand at the first. They didn't understand much. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written of him and that they had done these things to him. So the people who were with him, uh, when, he, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, so this is the chapter after he raises kind of the pinnacle miracle. Miracle, miracle. Woo! In the book of John. Pinnacle miracle in the book of John <laughs> is the resurrection of Lazarus. Um, and it shows that Jesus has the power of uh, over death, and it's kind of a precursor to his own resurrection. He said, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to take it up again. And if you want to see that I have power over death, he raises his good friend Lazarus from the dead. So this follows that. So there's a lot of, I think, curiosity uh, seekers, um, looky-loos, you know, the people that drive by the wreck, and, you know, that are there. Because they heard that this miracle-working guy, and, and some people think maybe this is the Messiah, maybe this is the king, maybe this is the new Maccabean revolt, gonna, you know, they're going to throw off the Romans, etc. So you have this crowd there, and they're worshiping. Some of, their, some of them are there. I don't know. If, if We see a lot of cool miracles in this church. There's like a, there's, it's fun. When new people come here, it's like, oh, and that person was a... You know, a crack addict, and that person was a meth addict, and that person was homeless, and that person was crazy, and that person was in a mental hospital. Um, I, if we saw someone raised from the dead, maybe we'd have more people here. I don't know, because I, I don't know what it takes to get people excited anymore. Um, but uh, I think a lot of them were there because of this miraculous event. They were also there because they didn't like the Romans and they wanted a, a, a king. So, I'm not sure what's going on 
when they're lining the streets or taking off their coats or putting them on the ground, they're cutting down palm branches or waving them. They're saying Hosanna, which literally means Lord save now. Um, it means it's basically a cry for salvation. Save us from who? They're probably thinking the Romans. But it's funny in John, there's a lot of double meaning to things that are said. They're saying save us and they don't even need, know what they need to be saved from, which is themselves and their sin and the devil and hell and the bondages they're under, etc. But they're crying save now, probably pretty confused. This is one worshiping group. They heard something crazy was going on, so they showed up. Maybe, maybe there's someone here today. I heard there's crazy stuff going on in your church. I want to come and see what's up. Um, final verse. For this reason, also the people went to meet him because they heard that he had performed this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, those are the religious power brokers. There's actually the Sadducees. They're in, ter- they're in charge of the temple. The Pharisees are more have way more influence with the popular masses. The Pharisees said, you see, you're, doing, you're not doing anything good. They're getting on each other's case. The whole world's going after this guy. But so you have this. I, I pull up a picture here. Uh, I thought I would go with photographs. Um, it's not an actual photograph of Jesus. But um, I thought I'd go with photographs because when we put paintings or renderings, then you think fantasy. And I thought, well, I'll just put a photo because it was a real event. There's like real pictures, uh, you know, real children here, real palm trees, um, a real Middle Eastern looking guy. Jesus didn't have blonde hair and looked like he was on a Vidal Sassoon commercial. You know, he's olive colored skin. I mean, this is a real event. They're probably a little cleaner than they would have been. But here he is just they're waving, waving the palm branches. And you would say they're worshiping him. They're crying out scripture passages. They're saying he's the king of Israel. This is one scene of worship. This is the one that we talk about today. There's another scene of worship that happens right before this. And I want to contrast these two scenes of worship. And ask yourself, what kind of worshiper are you? Why are you here today? I mean, some of these people are there just because their friends dragged them. Kids are there maybe because mom and dad dragged them there. Uh, maybe someone was out drinking at the tavern. And said, I heard about this guy. Jesus, yeah, let's go see what's up. Oh, everybody's waving palm branches. Let's do that too. Someone, it's, it's a cultural thing. It's a family thing. It's a curiosity thing. Some of them, it's a political thing. I'm a Christian because, you know, America's God's nation and, you know, we're going to take it back, right? It's a political thing. Why, why are you here today? Uh, some of them, there's another very similar scene in John 6. They found out he could make magical bread. Got this huge crowd. Make him king! Free bread! So Jesus, Jesus gets them, he throws them off. He says something he knows they're going to misinterpret to throw them off. He says, I don't want those kind of followers. So maybe you got some people here, you know, hey, let's leverage him. Let's health and wealth. I always, it's just such a, such an easy phrase to pick on. My best life now. That's what he's for. Me, 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 me. Jesus, do this for, so why do we work? You have this crowd here and they're all kind of doing the same thing. And they're all kind of, there's maybe a little bit of mass hysteria going on. And when we come to church, we're all kind of doing the same thing. 
There's some churches in there. It was funny. I had a, I remember a guy, really great worship leader, and he came up between the white Pentecostal church and the black Pentecostal church. And he would talk about the difference between the white Pentecostal church and the black Pentecostal church and just the dancing. Um, oh, and then, and then also, he, then there's like the charismatic church, which is like a step down from the Pentecostal church. And he said, um, how did he do it? He said, the Pentecostals are like bringing in aircraft. They're, they got the hands fully raised. And then the more charismatic groups like the Vineyard, they have their hands at their waists. And then the, then the black Pentecostal churches, they're dancing. They're, they're going nuts. And then the more conservative people, they just, again, if they're going bonkers, they'll put up one hand like this or, you know. They're raising their hands in their hearts, right? So we tend to worship like the people around us. We worship like the people around us. So that's kind of what's going on here, and a lot of mixed motives. Even when you read the passage, it says they believe, and then it says some of them didn't believe, and then it says some believed, but they're afraid of the leaders. And it's like, what, what are they doing? They want a king. Who do they, does anybody know that he's God in the flesh? Or what is, why are they here? And around Easter, why are, why are people even in the churches? And everybody's, stand up. Okay, so I'm going to stand up. Sing this song. Oh, okay, everybody's singing a song. I guess I'll sing it. They're doing what everybody else is doing. Why are they doing it? Who knows? So, I want to introduce you to another scene of worship here. Oh, how'd that get in there? Oh, my goodness. Or Marem Rose perfume. What the heck? I wonder how much, I wonder how much that costs. Oh, $3,000. What if while we were worshiping Jesus, I took out, and you knew this is what this cost, and I took this out and I just poured it out on the floor in front of everybody and said, Jesus, I love you so much. This is my offering to you. Um, But this is literally one of the more expensive perfumes on the planet. It literally cost $3,000. And there's a scene of worship that precedes this kind of mass mixed bag seat of worship that is Palm Sunday, that's triumphal entry. And it's a wholly different kind of worship. And it comes from Mary of Bethany. And she has some perfume, they say nard, it's spike nard, it's, um, it's just an aromatic oil. It was worth somewhere between fifteen and $20,000. And Jesus when he came into her house, Martha's running around like she always does, like a chicken with her head cut off, trying to serve. And Mary takes this perfume and she pours it on Jesus's, she anoints him with it. And some of the, even Jesus's disciples, they get indignant, Judas Iscariot, what a waste. And then he gets rebuked. But, but let's look at that scene of worship and then let's compare the two. Jesus, therefore, six days before the Passover came to Bethany where Lazarus was. Now, remember, he'd just been risen from the dead. And this is his sister. Anybody have family that they love? If you don't, pray with me afterwards, okay? Come up here and we'll pray. Mary and Martha loved their brother Lazarus. He died. He was stinking in the tomb. And Jesus came and called him out of the tomb. Recently, just the previous chapter. Uh, she loved Jesus before, now she is 
absolutely smitten with thanksgiving and affection and devotion. And she, she, she just melts. And so think about that when you hear, hear why she poured out this perfume. Uh, they made him a supper and Martha was serving, of course, because that's what she does. Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table. So you just think everybody's married, just like looking like There's Jesus is so awesome. He's done so much for us. And he just raised my brother from the dead. That's crazy. He's just the greatest. He's so full of love. And that's the one passage in John where he wept. And he wept because he knew what he was going to do, but it broke his heart even to see the people he loved with their hearts broken. So he even entered into her pain with her. She's like, he's just the, Jesus is the greatest. He's just so amazing. I just love him so much. How can I express my love? And she's like, I've got this absurd, any of you guys have some absurdly expensive thing that somebody gave you and you don't even know why you have it? Maybe an heirloom or a ring or something. Who knows why she had a $20,000 bottle of perfume. She's like, I'm never wearing that. What are you crazy? Everybody's going to think I'm a snob or, you know, whatever. It's like, what am I going to do with that? I'm going to anoint Jesus with it because he's worthy of everything. Mary took a pound of expensive perfume made from aromatic oil and anointed the feet of Jesus, wiped his feet with her hair, which the Bible says is the glory of a woman. So she's getting the filth of the streets, cow manure. Go to a developing country. That's what's in the streets. It runs, sewage runs through the streets. She's putting this expensive stuff and then wiping it off with her hair. And the house is filled, the house is filled with the fragrance. Of the perfume. Yeah, turn your things off, Zoomers. So then Judas Iscariot, this is an act of worship. Judas Iscariot, one of the disciples who was intending to betray him, said, Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? There's your fifteen dollars to $20,000 right there. Because a denarii is worth one day's wage payment for a common laborer. Uh, no, he said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box. And he used to pilfer what was put into it. Yeah, there's people in churches with mixed motives. Hopefully not our church, but uh, a lot of times the complainers and the splitters, uh, they're either babies or the devil put them there. So Jesus already knows that Judas is a devil. He doesn't have pure motives. He's in there to get his pound of flesh. That he, from the get-go, he's been in this gig to try to get up the ladder, and he loves money. So he despises her for this act of worship. Therefore, Jesus said, let her alone so that she can keep it for the day of my burial. You always have the poor with me, but you do not always have me. So here's another act of worship, two acts of worship. A, a crowd, everybody's doing what everybody else is doing, crazy mixed motive, motives, then you have this woman who the, the only way she could think of to let Jesus know how, how much worth he had in her eyes was to take the very most expensive thing she possessed and pour it out. Just waste it on him. So, got another photograph here. That's a pretty good photograph. This woman's weeping and stuff's all over the floor. 
other worshipers, what is she doing? Why is she making an idiot of herself? Get up. How undignified. Don't mess up your hair. You know, So there's three things to think about. How do you worship? Why do you worship? And um, in this situation, do you care if anybody gives you grief about the way you worship? Some of us hold back even in this group because we care. We should feel free to get on our knees, get on our face. And another thing, if people come in here and they see you worship, they see you raising your hands, they see you crying, they see you getting on your knees. What in the world? Maybe they believe this stuff. I know they believe in the Kansas City Chiefs. No doubt about that. Maybe they actually believe in it. Maybe, maybe there's tears because they actually believe they were forgiven for something. Like Leah was saying. The deep, deep shame that they didn't know how to... Is that possible? Maybe what she said is true. And the deep shame I feel can be lifted off of me but the devil's like, oh, no, no, you got to be dignified, be dignified. She was just worshiping out of love. She was worshiping with abandon. And she was despised by religious folks. But she was too lost to even care. So I want to I want to worship again today and um I always promise. No, I don't promise. I always say I will try to do short sermons and I can never pull it off. Maybe today I can. I am going to share a couple more scriptures about, but, but one of them that came as I was preparing this today was Psalm 116. I love the Lord. So I got emotional because I love the Lord. I don't, I don't, I don't care what the rest of the crowd wants to do. I worship him in my car. I worship him in my bedroom. I, I worship him. I, <laughs> in Ellsworth, I remember I used to have this five-mile walking trail I used to go down, and I had this walking stick, and I was worshiping him. One time I started getting into him, I'm like swinging my stick around, and I was thinking, just like praising him and hallelujahing because I love him. And I thought, man, if someone saw me, they would think I am nuts. <laughs> I don't care. But I still get self-conscious just like you guys do. But we gotta, we got to fight that. But I love the Lord. Why? Because he hears my voice. Does he hear your voice? If I ask you guys to come up here and you didn't care what people thought, we'd be here all day long. Saying, I haven't seen my son in years. You guys pray he's at my house. That's crazy. Or saying, you, I shouldn't be alive. When she was a teenage girl, after Susan and I met with her, I've already told you this. She said, thank you very much for the meeting. Went to the kitchen, found a sharp knife and tried to slit her wrists. We got some things to worship God about. And I don't mean to embarrass people, but I hope I'm not embarrassing people. But uh, I'm not going to say names. She's not looking at me, but you. <laughs> We're a ministry. Everybody's looking at you, supposed to be the perfect, ideal person. Out of your mind. 
blacking out in rages, hating everybody, hating yourself. And then God said, why don't I let you really show you my heart? And then the chains just fell off. Got so many things to be thankful for. We don't want to be here for political reasons. We don't want to be here because religion's good for the kids. I could, I could do this all day. Yeah, you in the back. You're such an answer to prayer. And you're right behind and playing on your phone. Such an answer to prayer. Such an answer to prayer. You're one of the most miraculous answers to prayer I've seen yet, right? And you next row up, a close second. Amazing. I love the Lord because He hears my voice. Mary says, my brother was dead and rotting in the tomb and Jesus raised him up. Two kinds of worshipers, right? All these creasters are going to be packing out the churches on Easter. Christmas and Easter. That's a creaster. Oh, is it time to weigh the palm branches? Hosanna. Hosanna. What's the next line? Hosanna in the highest, right? And then you got Mary's. I love the Lord because he hears my voice, my supplication. He inclined his ear to me. I'll call upon him as long as I live. The cords of death encompassed me. The torrents of Sheol came upon me. Tears of Sheol came upon me. I found distress and sorrow. Then I called upon the name of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech you, save my life. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Yes, our God is compassionate. Sound familiar? Yeah, that's Exodus 34, 6. That's his name. The Lord preserves this simple. I was brought low. He saved me. I was nuts. I had voices in my head. I was crazy. She talks about legalism. Legalism almost killed me. Addictions in this room. Anyway, so if you don't know God in this way, come talk to me, please. It's the difference between being in religion and having a friend named Jesus who satisfies everything your heart needs. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low. He saved me. Return to your rest, O my soul. The Lord has dealt bountifully with you. So I'm going to worship. I was going to talk to you about David, but it'll probably just... I don't really need to. Dave, I'll, I'll give you a quick summary. Uh, they brought the Ark of the Covenant in the, Old, in the Old Testament back. I think it's 2 Samuel chapter 6. To Jerusalem. And it is the symbol of the presence of God. That's the old covenant. We don't do that anymore. God's not affiliated with a place anymore. Those are all pictures to help us now. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, come to Saturday seminar so you get to know your Bible better. But anyhow, when the sign of God's presence, the, 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 uh, the uh, ark of God's presence goes back to Jerusalem, King David, who is, who is also symbolically, he represents the... the they, they call Jesus the son of David all the time. They're referring back to David. David's the chosen one. The, line, the Messiah's coming through his line. He is dancing wildly before the ark. And he only has on the equivalent of boxer shorts. And he's the king. And he says, I don't give a rip. God took me from <laughs> stinking being a shepherd of sheep and raised me up over this nation and he's given me victory over my enemies and he has given me his presence because all through the Psalms, David is always talking about how his presence is the greatest part of our inheritance. 
but he has blessed me so much and answered my prayers. And he's the one that, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. He wrote half the Psalms, 75 of the Psalms. This is David's heart. He knows God intimately. He's dancing because he said, we need the Lord's presence in our lives. And I want to just show him how, how worthy he is. And his wife goes, hmm. He gets back home. How you really distinguished yourselves in the eyes of the maidens today. Boy, you really kind of made yourself look like an idiot there, worshiping. And David says, you know what? After what God's done for me, my paraphrase, I will look more like, I'll I'll look like more an idiot than that. Just give me a chance. I will roll around in the dirt. I will dance. I will shout. I will clap. I will cry. I will pour it out because God's been so good for me. So good to me. So anyway, on this Palm Sunday, I think that's a pretty good thought. What kind of worshiper are you? Are you just here because that's what you do on Palm Sunday? You come to church? Do you just sing songs? Whatever goes up on the board, you sing it because it's on the board. You don't want to look weird by or, or look like a grump. So, okay, I'll sing it. Or are you Mary? I love the Lord because he hears my voice. He just raised my brother from the dead. He loves us. He wept with me when I wept. Even when I didn't understand what he was doing, it made him sad to see me going through that pain. And he, he entered into that pain with me. And then he did the miracle. And he loves me. And I love him. So, I'm just going to say a prayer. I think we need to turn up the speakers a little bit. But uh, let's just close with one song. Let's just love him. You want to get on your knees? Get on your knees. You want to cry? Cry, tough guy. Well, seriously, tough guys have a hard time crying. David Wilkerson said that's a sign that you're coming alive. When a tough guy finally cries, can't cry, you're dead. Spiritually, emotionally. If anything should make you cry, it should be your love for the Lord. Want to raise your hand? Raise your hands. So let's just stand together, do some worship, and uh, let me say a prayer. Father, I do love you. You've been good to me. You've been so good to me. I love these people in this room, and it's fun to look at them and see all the miracles all the blessings, all the amazing answers to prayer. And I just pray, Lord, we could give you a little gift today of our love because you really don't need anything from us, but you sure do appreciate it when we give you our love. So receive this gift and help us, Holy Spirit, to be free and we just renounce the devil and all the fear and the shame and the pride and all that that would hold us back. So we commit ourselves to you. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.